When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there. You got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the Dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all-encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee-jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Hey, it's just me, Brian, this week. Doug is on vacation, and then next week we're going to both be on vacation uh, so this will be the, the last episode for a little while as the Giants continue on in their toughest stretch of the season. Before it really gets crazy, though, we did get to see them play against Shohei Otani, which was absolutely fun to see. You know, against the Giants, he was confounding their pitching. Uh, even they were making their pitches, getting in on him when they needed to. They were able to continue to do something that other teams can't do, which is prevent him from homering. That was a stat that Maria Gardado had reminded everybody of uh, after Tuesday night's game that the Giants have been really good at keeping him from doing too much damage. He's the only team in now 11 games that he hasn't homered against. And so, hey, maybe the Giants are going to use that as a, a lure to get him to sign with him. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Giants actually having interest and Shohei Otani in just a minute. I say we. It's just me. Again, no no Doug this week. But uh, losing two out of three obviously sucks. Kind of not a surprise. At the same time, the Angels have been a pretty solid team, even though the, they were on a losing streak when the Giants rolled into town. But when you have the best player on the planet uh, and some solid options around him, it's going to probably break your way, kind of like how the 2004 Giants were pretty good. Uh, the Giants pitching their strength, their core strength, the thing that that will take them into the postseason, 
let them down uh, in one of the games, uh, but the lineup was able to perform pretty well uh, in the first two, like I said. A.J. Pollock uh, on the IL, so that experiment might be over. He's out for three weeks. Elliot Ramos has been called up. Uh, Marco Luciano is on the IL with the hamstring strain, it looks like. So some offensive improvements may or may not be coming. Ramos, after being sent down, has actually been really tearing it up in the minors. I'm sure you've heard about all this, read about some of this. So his call-up is not quite a desperation move, I would say. It's more one that we might have expected, but instead they traded for A.J. Pollock uh, to see if they could get anything going there. But uh, in 45 games in AAA this year so far, Elliot Ramos, 303-359-543 slugging. So it's 902 OPS with eight home runs. Uh, and he has 13 walks against 43 strikeouts. So that's, you know, basically a four to one strikeout to walk. That's a little bit rough to look at. But the extra bases, you know, nine doubles, three triples, and eight home runs. That's good. That's 20 extra base hits out of 49. You'd like to see that. He's just 23 years old. He doesn't turn 24 uh, until September 7th. So plenty of reasons to remain optimistic about him. Obviously, though, it's hard to be too positive. Given the state of the team, they're now six behind the Dodgers for the division lead, and they're just two and a half games up on the wild card in a increasingly expanding group. Uh, they're already in the wild card bracket with the Phillies and the Marlins, but beneath that trio, you've got the Cubs uh, at 59 and 56, the Reds at 60 and 57. And the Diamondbacks, who have fallen off quite a bit, uh, as we saw when the Giants faced them the other week, uh, they're below 500 at 57 and 58, but that's just two and a half games back of any of the wildcard positions. And then you've got the Padres. We, I don't know what to make of them, but 55 and 59 and just four games out, I'm not quite ready to count them out. So that's seven teams in the mix uh, with, you know, Giants, Phillies, Marlins for three wildcard spots. And then your leaders the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Braves. you got 10 teams for six spots. So that's pretty competitive field. Um, you would assume the Dodgers and the Braves are for sure in. And then the Brewers fighting it out with the Reds and the Cubs for the Central. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just one team from the Central gets in and it doesn't matter. And the Giants are fine. They're in a good position. But they've got to keep pitching, you know, that's going to be tough because pitching is one of those things that it can fade as the season goes on. And like I said, this is the roughest point of the schedule for the Giants this season. It's the exact time when the pitching might be letting them down. And you would you would think against other pitching staffs who are also tiring in the dog days, that's why they call them the dog days of August, that the Giants lineup could actually get some offense going. So this weekend, they're going to face Bruce Bochy. He's going to be in town against the Rangers. The Rangers offense is explosive. It's fantastic. Although they were just shut out by the A's. So there's that to think about. Uh, But three against the Rangers, then three against the Rays. These are all at home. The Rays have really tuned up the Giants in in recent matchups. So that's going to be tough. And they're going to travel to Atlanta and Philadelphia. Philadelphia, uh, Michael Lorenzen, uh, a guy that... I vaguely remember reading a report that maybe the Giants were looking at him as a trade option at the deadline. Instead, he went to the Phillies and he threw, he pitched no hitter the other night. So, or last night. So there's that to think about as well. (laughs) And then they're going to come back home for six and they're going to face the Braves and the Reds. And then they're going to 
play right back into in September against the Padres and the Cubs. So looking at this list, they're going to play nothing but playoff teams now until teams that are almost certainly going to make the playoffs, I should say. Uh, maybe the Reds are the exception, but they're certainly in a position. Uh, and the Padres are division rivals, but I'm going to, I said, I already mentioned them in that list. Uh, up until September 8th, when they're going to face the Rockies. That's a tough schedule, and you'd like to think that they're going to start hitting better to make it make sense, because I think this two-man pitching staff and then your opener feature bulk guy situation, it could still work, but it's not going to work every night, as you saw with the Angels. Uh, It's not going to work every night, and hopefully they will be able to bounce back at home. That would be great. But before we put this uh, Angel series to bed, which had really cool moments like Shohei Otani stealing off of Patrick Bailey, Patrick Bailey's offense looking really patient. Uh, You know, the Giants only scored one run on Wednesday, but Matos and Bailey, they really made Otani work. Um, Michael Conforto showed some signs of life, I guess you could say. Uh, J.D. Davis, Jock Peterson, they all looked uh, okay. Wilmer Flores maybe is starting to cool off. That could be a problem. There were some things to take as positives. I really liked Ryan Walker continuing to be dominant as the opener. He got in trouble there at the end of the first inning, but got out of it without allowing any runs. And then Shamanaya came in and he just continued to be a really solid option out of the bullpen, eating up some innings as the bulk, or I guess it's now called the feature guy. They're treating it like a band. So he's the headliner. You got the opener and the headliner, uh, I guess. (laughs) And he certainly made a, a, a headlining play. He had a liner back to him that knocked his glove off, so he barehanded the ball and fielded it um, and and got the out at second base. I think that was in the fourth inning of last night's game. The other real big positive was the way that the Giants state media and the media apparatus covering the Giants talked up uh, Shohei Otani. Uh, Farhan Zaidi was quoted by Alex Pavlovich for NBC Sports Bay Area saying... Um, it was interesting. The timing in some ways was helpful that the they, the Angels, kind of chose a direction with a few days left. The Angels went all in. They went on a 10-3 run heading to the trade deadline, led by Shohei Otani doing more ridiculously awesome things, and they decided, we're going to go for it. We're not going to trade him. We're going to try to make the playoffs. Saidi continues, A player of that magnitude, I just always bet against something happening with them trade-wise, until it does. That was sort of our expectation, and you sort of plan accordingly. But it was definitely an interesting storyline. We were very invested in it like a lot of teams were and not surprised by how it wound up. That was just one thing where they were basically indicating that they were keeping tabs on the situation as it came up. Zaidi also mentioned that other teams were maybe interested in some of the Giants prospects, which could tie into a subject we'll get into in a minute. Uh, He also did allow that other GMs were maybe buttering him up, telling him how good they were. But still one of those things where... Compared to last trade deadline, when everyone was like, your your prospects are trash, we don't want them, uh, a little bit of a course change or sea change for the Giants, and that's encouraging. And then you had during the broadcast of Wednesday night's game when Shohei Otani was pitching against the Giants, and he wasn't on his game. His fastball velocity was down to 93-94, and he was really just leaning on his sweeper, uh, his off-speed pitches, to get, get the job done, and he certainly did. Six innings, one run. But uh, Mike Kruko had this to say, and I'm actually played the audio clip so you don't just hear my voice. 
Johnny, you're going to be a six-man rotation. That's one of uh, the things that he likes. And he will throw every sixth day. So if there's a day off on the six-man rotation, simply means somebody's going to miss that start. But just the idea of having this guy in your organization to be able to watch him play every day is intriguing because of how unique he is. You know, and, and we were talking about it before the game. We, we, for the longest time, felt that 73 home runs in a season. And, I, and Bonds got walked, <laughs> I, I forget, but over 100 times intentionally. And he still put up 73. I think Otani has a chance of breaking that record. And I never thought I'd be saying this. For one thing, teams pitch to him. Giants intentionally walked him once in this series, and... And it was just the uh, 17th time that he has been walked intentionally. Actually, 15th time that he's been walked intentionally. I mean, this is August. But with his talent and the fact that they are going to pitch to him, I mean, he, had the, he has a chance. So between one of the beat writers mentioning Farhan comments, one of the most trusted voices uh, in the f entire franchise talking on their on their. Uh, cable network that they own a share of talking up this player. And then you had Susan Slusser in the San Francisco Chronicle on Tuesday with an update on Wednesday, uh, getting quotes from players on the giants about what it would be like to have Shohei Otani on the team or much help he would be to them. Brandon Crawford. He's really good at everything he does. He has all five tools as a hitter and he also has the pitching thing. Uh, I think what's impressive seeing him in person that you don't see as much on TV is his speed, which isn't really talked about a lot. Uh, not, on Monday night, he had like a hustle double, basically. Uh, and then he obviously had that stolen base against Bailey. Michael Conforto, geez, he's just an incredible athlete. And then Susan Slusser writes, is it tampering when every player on every team wants to add the same free agent? The Giants clubhouse is universally behind signing Otani this winter, making them in no way unusual. And then Michael Conforto adds, everyone in the world is wondering what he's going to do. I definitely have an interest, just like everybody else, to see how all that plays out. Wherever he goes, we'll be very lucky to have him. Logan Webb on Monday called him the most talented baseball player of all time. Alex Cobb adds that the Giants tick a lot of boxes for what a pitcher might be looking for. Uh, Cobb was teammates with Otani in 2021, and apparently they're friendly through offseason workouts at driveline. And with Patrick Bailey, and this is what the article is mentioning, with Patrick Bailey as the catcher, he's already considered one of the best catchers in the game um, when it comes to working with pitchers, calling games, stealing strikes, and throwing out runners. Again, Alex Cobb thinks that the Giants have a lot of what Otani might be looking for. And as uh, as an ambassador, as a guy who might be making overtures or uh, trying to sell a player on the Giants, I think that's great. Uh, notice, though, no one on the hitting side really has a lot of insight to give for Shohei Otani. And I'll finally close with this bit that Cobb mentioned. Shohei dedicates his life to this, the game of baseball. It's like he was born to be the best ever, and part of that comes with sacrifices, like he doesn't have a family. And I think part of that is because he wants to dedicate everything he's got to baseball. He doesn't have anything outside of that apart from being Shohei. Could go either way when you hear stuff like that because you want to necessarily, if, if baseball is your life, then baseball has to be your life. And does the San Francisco media market uh, provide him with the opportunity to be the face of baseball in that market? 
You know, you've got Steph Curry. You've got the 49ers just as a brand, you know, with so many legends, but also just like the vociferous uh, fanaticism of its fans. Is there room for Shohei Otani? There's certainly room. So I guess the question is, will he accept being, if not second fiddle, certainly uh, equally important to some other legends? I don't know. Other markets might provide different opportunities for him. Uh, in that regard, if that's really what he's looking for, the Giants have the money. I don't, I'm not really interested in, in considering it. That salary tax, salary, you know, uh, luxury tax, whatever. Ignoring all that doesn't matter. Giants will have the money if they want him. They they can pay for him. Um, but we've been here before, so I'm not going to hold out hope. But I just really thought it was really cool that everyone was talking about him in that way, because the Giants do recognize. I think Doug and I have talked about this that the moment they are perceived to not be trying 100% to be the best, to get the best, I think that's when a lot of fans start to withdraw, turn their backs. Giants have some other issues involved between their ownership and their priorities around the stadium that maybe rubs people the wrong way, that I think it's just a matter of, okay, but if they're going to try to win every year, I'll stick around for that. And going after Otani certainly does that. And so it helps that they're, making sure that fans know we didn't we didn't have a big sexy trade deadline, but we're still going to try. Uh, we want you to know that we're aware that this guy's out there and we're going to go after him. Speaking of the trade deadline, <laughs> uh, Jim Bowden was quoted. Uh, he was on KMBR. He was not trying to defend himself, but he was basically explaining why he gave them a D in his trade deadline grading piece which is really irrelevant. Winners and losers of the trade deadline are grading the acquisitions. Uh, and his big thing was basically what a lot of people are saying. The moves that the, that Farnsidey did make, I just thought were bizarre. I mean, the Mariners were going to release AJ Pollock. Like he's done. What is he batting? 165? What is he? 0 for 6 for the Giants? Like he's done. He's 35 years old. It's over. I just didn't understand it. It just didn't make any sense that that was your move. Doesn't seem like Farnsidey to me. <laughs> And as I said last week, I can't believe Farnsidey is speed running the Brian Sabian era. It was a, certainly a move that Brian Sabian would have been proud of. But I, it kind of ties into what I was saying before. Not kind of. It really ties into what I said before. If Farnsidey is to be believed, or should I say, if what he was told is to be believed, then the Giants actually do have some prospects that interest other teams. Now, was the trade deadline of 2023 literally half a season removed from these same guys being like, bro, your farm system is trash. You don't want anything to do with it. You, you would have to trade 50 players to get, you know, Juan Soto or whatever it was. But, you know, certainly industry-wide, the perception was that the Giants farm system, not a lot of talent there. Uh, and the ones that the any players that other teams did want, their extraction would be so painful from the Giants. It'd be like they'd be back at back to square one farm system player development pipeline wise. I kind of still think they're in that same situation. And as we saw a lot with these trades, there was a premium on the premium guys, which there should be, but even on guys who are leaving, uh, you know, in free agency, I just think the giants decided it's not worth giving up the players that are being asked for to make a potentially how much of an improvement does it make in our chances of getting into the postseason right now? Would those guys that we trade away, could they actually help us to get into the playoffs? Kyle Harrison, 
we've talked about him. I've kind of written him off a little bit, or I've, it's been an open question for me all year. I said this before the season started, like, it's not even clear if he's going to be up this season. Or I said it during April when things were looking bad. <laughs> and I was like, it's not clear he's going to be up because he can't get his walks under control. Well, one, one thing I read was that the automated strike zone in AAA is too small. And that it actually might be one of the reasons why a lot of pitchers in AAA have, or the minors, have a really high walk per nine or walk rate. And if that's the case, I can see why it makes a lot more sense now why before he got injured, Zaidi was saying, you know, Harrison's a starter two away and he's going to come up and he's going to help us out. And so I can see if they were that close to bringing him up before he got hurt why you wouldn't want to trade him or Luis Matos or whoever they're asking for, Elliot Ramos and Joey Bart for Jack Flaherty, you know, or whatever the move would be. It, it just seems like I can see the logic behind it. I don't, I don't know if that means that everyone should be accepting of that, but I would be very interested to see what players become available in trade during the offseason. And if the offseason, having the ability to grab players in free agency I wonder if just having more options maybe changes the calculus there. You're already in the season. You're talking about a third of the season, 54 games. How big of an impact can any one guy make? And a guy like Shoei Otani is probably it. And as far as I said, they were interested. They were keeping tabs. They were looking around, sniffing around, and then the Angels changed their mind. But outside of Otani, there are only a couple of guys uh, who could make a huge impact, I would think. Uh, especially offensively, and how many of those guys are available? Probably none, probably very few. And the price to get anyone would have been really high that I think they're just banking on some guy getting hot, you know, joining Wilmer Flores and being hot, uh, pitching, continuing to dominate or, you know, work out and keep them competitive. I guess I, I guess I, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. Jim Bowden's opinion kind of doesn't matter that much. He's a writer looking for the sexy headlines and the grades are very emotional. You know, it's like you're, you're just trying to be, and that, that makes sense to some degree. It's an, you know, sports fanaticism is about emotion. So I can totally understand why you would want to judge based on that. You know, the giants are trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to compete and be winners. Right? So why aren't they trying like a, com- a competitive team does? They want to, Prove to their fans that they're up for this. They'll do whatever it takes to win to get them in the postseason. If the move's not there, I get it. But also, I can't fight something. I can't, I can't get too upset about something I can't change. Until Far Anxiety is no longer the president of baseball operations of the San Francisco Giants, this is how he's going to operate the team. He's going to assess it based on risk, and the rewards are not going to be greater weighted than the risks. And I think he's looking at a big picture, a big board of not just the last 54 games, but the 54 games after that postseason, start of next season, whatever. He's maybe even looking two years down the line. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that it's been very clear his behavior is is uh, determined by risk assessment. And I, people can get mad about that all they want. I think that's fine. It's not going to change. So, you know, I get why the Giants did it. I don't know if any one pitcher out there was going to make them much better. Tristan Beck had a bad game last night, but I don't know. Would he be better as a starter instead of a reliever? Do the Giants believe in starters anymore? I think that's going to be an open question as we drift into the offseason. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if, when they do make the postseason, how they 
arrange their pitching staff around any of that. There's just a lot of stuff we don't know. And what we do know is pretty clear why the Giants didn't make a big splash at the deadline. And you can be bummed about that. That makes perfect sense to me. It was a little bit disappointing. AJ Pollock, not even, <laughs> not even a move that I could squint and see the reason for, or or get happy about. I should say I could see the reason for, but it was very, very uh, tough to get any sort of happiness out of it. Uh, the Ross Stripling move in the off season it made sense to me, and it was like that's not too painful a deal either. And if it works out, he'll be exactly what they need at the back of the rotation. <laughs> So I was a little happy from that. It's like the Giants executing a plan that they have told us about and I've now fully understood coming to fruition. Here we are again. The results are different, though, so it's okay to be a little unhappy. Uh, let's see. So the Rangers, they are leading the AL West 68-47, uh, two games ahead of the Astros, who have come on strong in the last month or so. But so have the Mariners, who've won seven straight, and they're now five and a half games back. Before the A's shut them out, they were 8-0. <laughs> so they're 8-1 in August to this point. Uh, they've outscored their opponents by 30 runs, 50-20. to 20. Uh, On the season, they've outscored their opponents 659-484 to 484 runs. Corey Seager, former Dodger, uh, he, had some, he had injury that he came back from. And since he's been back, 188 OPS plus. So 88% better than the league average. Adolis Garcia, look out for him. Uh, he's mashing the ball, 527 slugging. Seager slugging, by the way, is 657. Uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens to this vaunted lineup uh, at Oracle Park. Certainly even just playing in Oakland, they struggled there. But they also could have just been saving themselves for <laughs> facing the Giants. They're going to throw out former Rocky John Gray. And it looks like Andrew Heaney, former Angel, and F- uh, Martin Perez, former Red Sox. Oh, excuse me. They're going to form Dane Dunning. They've announced all three of their starters. Uh, that group, that group's been solid all year. Top ten and wins above replacement for baseball uh, for all the for all MLB. And of course, offensively, they are leading baseball in offense. Uh, Twenty six point nine wins above replacement. Per fan graphs, they're 659 runs scored. Number one in baseball. We saw that the Giants did against number five offense, the Boston Red Sox, or the team with the fifth most runs, uh, and they held them in check. So who knows? Who knows? That's what the beauty of baseball is. What I'm really excited about is that the Rangers are playing so well that Bruce Bochy's managerial career Whenever he retires now, he is sure to be above 500. That was something towards the end of his Giants career. It was getting a little bummed to see, uh, you know, Bruce Bochy having done so much for the Giants, being the uh, World Series manager. I think that's important. Right now he stands at 2,071 wins and 2,076 losses. So he's catching up. And then the Rays had... The Rays had their historic start to the season that saw them go 23 and six uh, through April. And then since then, they've calmed down quite a bit, 34 and 22. And then they were eight and 16 in July and now four and three in August. All that said, uh, they've also had a bunch of pitching injuries lately. Their, Their belief system of have guys throw as hard as they can for as long as they can. And then when they burn out, Get a new guy in there. 
has certainly helped propel them in the early season. And now we see that the injuries are catching up with them and they're, they're fading a little bit, but they're still a dominant team. And against the Giants, they've been really good. Although, what am I saying? I'm looking at the numbers, and the Giants are 8-7 and seven in the career matchups, uh, or the career head-to-head. Uh, but it was in 2019 when they last faced each other. Rays were in San Francisco, and they won 2 out of 3 pretty easily. The other time that they were in San Francisco was back in 2002 when they were the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and they went 1-2 and two there. So that doesn't necessarily indicate anything that's going on. <laughs> That's not like predictive of the series, but just throwing that out there. I guess I, I'm still stuck on the last time that they were in San Francisco where they made it look pretty easy, uh, those those wins. But we'll see what happens. This is going to be a tough six-game test for the Giants. They've lost four out of their last five. Remember, they got swept in Oakland, and I definitely tried to flush that memory down the toilet, and it come it's come roaring back looking at their recent streak here. Uh, but since the, the trade deadline, four and four. So who can say if they are good or bad? But Doug and I will talk to you about it on the 21st when we come back. In the meantime, we're both still writing at our usual places. I'm at McCoveyChronicles.com, and Doug is at his substack, GiantsDoug.substack.com, where he posts twice a week. Just the other day, he posted about another way to look at the offense. <laughs> And he really wants to convince you that there are things worth looking at there. So read that, feel a little bit better. Maybe maybe some fun things will happen at home. They surprised us all uh, at home in their last home stand. Could happen again. That's all I'm saying. In the meantime, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or right there in your Spotify app, anywhere you listen. If you're so inclined, give us a review. That'd be great. Don't be, don't forget we're a part of Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN on Twitter and FansFirstSports.com. And we're on Twitter at Giants Croncast. Actually, send us your questions via Twitter if you want. Uh, we should do a mailbag before the end of the month. So send us your questions. So until Monday, August 21st, I will say at this time, go Giants. <laughs>